Hello, everyone. My name is J.B. Hickson with NBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my studio beneath the sky nestled in the tall timbers of Colorado. It is Wednesday, August the 16th, 2023. Thank you so much for joining us. Lots to talk about today as we uh, bring on Randy uh, to do our weekly world events update. Before we get to that, though, let me mention a couple of quick announcements. We're halfway through the week. I hope you've uh, been able to listen to some of the uh, podcasts we've uh, produced earlier in the week. Last night, we had a fantastic prophecy night. We're talking about the rapture, and I think it was really, my goal anyway, was to provide one of the clearest, most succinct defenses of the doctrine of the rapture uh, over the next three weeks, last night and the next two uh, prophecy nights uh, that I've ever done. And I, I hope I can successfully accomplish that goal. Uh, we're talking about the distinction between the rapture and the second coming and why a plain, normal, literal reading of Scripture makes it clear that indeed those are two different events. So check that out last night. We've got it on video as well as uh, the podcast. Uh, Yesterday morning, we posted a, a replay of uh, the audio-only version of a four-part video interview that I did with uh, Dr. Tenpenny on her show, Happy Hour with Dr. T. Uh, and pray for her, by the way. I understand she's going through some really uh, major attacks from uh, the enemy that are they're trying to take her license away and just... Uh, unbelievable when you stand for truth uh what they will what they will do to you so anyway that was posted yesterday morning part one anyway uh we've got parts two three and four coming soon uh and then uh, of course monday i did uh, episode six of dr hickson answers your questions it was a long one but we covered a lot of ground uh, some answers were shorter some were longer but i hope you'll uh, check that one out tomorrow uh, we've got Lucas back on for part three of uh, our discussion of Jesus' enigmatic parables of the kingdom. And I've really been enjoying that dialogue with him. Uh, great guy and certainly knows the Word of God. Uh, so you can look forward uh, to that uh, tomorrow. And then on Saturday, we will have our final installment in our Preparedness Limited series that we've been doing with Randy. And we're going to close it out by talking about how to prepare for martial law. And I can't wait to have that discussion, and that will post on on Saturday. So uh, I was reading in Proverbs 16 today, a uh, passage I've pointed out before, but every time I get to this chapter in Proverbs, it jumps off the page at me and reminds me of God's plan of the ages. Proverbs 16.4 says, The Lord has made all for himself, yes, even the wicked for the day of doom. And uh, boy, that's a great reminder that none of this that's going on in the world uh, surprises God. He's working out his plan precisely as he wants to, and the wicked will get their day of doom uh, someday. And that especially was meaningful to me today because I've been really heads down hammering out the final pieces to my new book, Spirit of the False Prophet. And uh, you're going to love it. I mean, it is just so packed full of uh, cutting-edge stuff on technology. The subtitle is Rise of the Global Technocracy, and we're talking about everything from AI uh, to, to hacking and tracking humanity to the global surveillance grid to biometric surveillance, uh, you name it, all under the premise of setting the stage for the false prophet who will be put in charge of uh, the planetary control grid. And so um, that should be out uh, in the next month or so, or coming down the final stretch here. And I pray that the Lord will give me the energy to um, to finish it. Um, 
We do have some exciting news to announce. Uh, I think I've mentioned this already in a couple of previous uh, podcasts, but uh, Hope for Our Times and Tom Hughes, who most of you I'm sure know, uh, one of the just the preeminent Bible uh, prophecy experts and pastors of our day. We love him to death. Uh, he has invited me last minute to uh, to speak at a conference, not this weekend, but uh, nine days from now uh, in uh, Texas at Rock in Rockwall, Texas. Uh, if you go to our website on the highlight carousel, you'll see a banner promoting it. You can click on that. It'll tell you all about that conference. I'm so honored to get to to uh, to fill in for Bill Koenig, who had to cancel last minute. Uh, Dr. Andy Woods will be there, Alex Newman, uh, so many other uh, great uh, speakers, and, and just honored to be a part of that group. But the neat thing about it is you can live stream it, and it's very cheap. Uh, Hope for Our Times, I think, is selling live stream tickets for 15 bucks. Uh, but you can get all the details at notbyworks.org, either on the highlight carousel, or rem remember, you can scroll through the highlight carousel there. There are left and right arrow buttons on the pictures, uh, and it will kind of give you some of the recent uh, events that we've done, recent podcasts and videos, upcoming announcements and other resources. Uh, but you'll find information about uh, the uh, Tom Hughes conference uh, in, uh, next weekend, not this weekend, but next weekend on that highlight carousel. Or you can always click on the events tab uh, on the main menu there at notbyworks.org and it lists all of our upcoming events. So with that, let's turn our attention to uh, to Randy. And obviously, Randy, one of the things that I'm really eager, and I know our listeners are too, to get your take on is these very highly suspicious fires in Maui. And let me just say, I know you've spent some time in Maui. My wife and I have too, a few times. And I've got some other friends that, you know, really frequent the, the island there. Uh, and this is tragic. I mean, it is just so sad. We were we were looking at the pictures and we can recognize several places where we have eaten and been, spent time. And of course, uh, you know, the narrative, the official narrative, as is almost always the case in these types of things is is not accurate. We're getting firsthand reports from people that the, the tragic number of deaths may top 1000 before it's all over. I think the official narrative right now says it's sitting at around 100, but uh, lots more than meets the eye going on with uh, this event there in Maui. So, Randy, thanks so much for joining us. And how are you doing, my friend? I am doing well. I was really sad to see what happened to Lahaina because of all the places I probably visited in my lifetime, that was my favorite. Mm. And um, I guess I won't be going back in my lifetime probably. No, I mean it's really sad. Yeah, Lahaina was the main old district there that was hit. We've we've we, we agree. Um, by the way, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, on a personal note having lunch with you tomorrow and, a, and another mutual friend of ours. It's uh, been a few weeks because we've both been so busy, but uh, man, can't wait for for that. And uh, we can kind of catch up on lots of stuff. But uh, what do you what do you think? Um, what are you hearing? What are you reading? How do you kind of interpret? You know, we always enjoy getting your commentary and insights here. Uh, what's what's really going on with this fire in Maui? Well, what I really like is when this stuff is in my wheelhouse, where I've been trained, where most of my experience was. Uh, a lot of my education was in firefighting, EMS, and in the insurance industry also. I've investigated hundreds of fires in my life. And I got to tell you what, when I first saw this one, I didn't think much about it. But the more I get into it, the more I read about it, the more I'm going, I don't think this was accidental by any means. Mm. Now, to give a little bit of history, um, 
Lahaina is an old district, uh, still has the overhead power lines. It has a pretty good water supply as far as um, older villages go. It has a paid fire department in the city of 10 people per shift. They were on shift at the time. And basically, it's just a nice older town. You know, the developers in the area are always fighting the landowners, the business owners. They want to buy them out. They want to resell them. They want to redevelop, et cetera, et cetera. That's been going on in Maui for quite a while. Now, Hawaii is very popular. I mean, we have people like Peter Thiel, uh, Jeff Bezos, Oprah Winfrey have huge um, estates properties on Maui. And I noticed that Oprah bought another thousand acres there again last year, which I kind of, I think that's pretty interesting, but I'm, I've got my opinions on this, but I'm going to lay it out. Then everybody can decide which, which one they want to go with. All right. Now the facts of the situation are as such. There was a hurricane 200 miles South of Maui at the time. This would have increased the winds uh, on the island of Maui considerably. What concerns me is when the news came out the first time, they said 60 mile an hour. As time goes on, it keeps getting stronger and stronger. Then it's 80 mile an hour. Then it's 100 mile an hour. And it's kind of like, these are facts that are easily established. Make up your mind. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it, it, these when the facts start changing, it gets my attention because it means there's always something there. Now, I want to um, give credit where credit is due. I want to thank our um, poop in charge, Mr. Biden, because I didn't think much about this until he was asked about the fire and he said, no comment. Hmm. Now, what kind of a comment is no comment after you've had a devastating fire Hundreds of people have died. The city is wiped out. And you sit there with this blazing look and say, no comment. Well, he probably well, hadn't been given his crib sheets from his handlers yet to know. He probably might not even know there was a fire. I mean, the guy's just mentally uh, out to lunch all the time. And uh, there's some evidence he may not even be uh, real. I, I, and I don't say that just, you know, as a laugh line. I mean, there is actual evidence that he 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 may not be uh, you know, who we think he is. But uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, that that was very telling. And the reporter got to him kind of before you know, he got the jump on it. He got there before his handlers could coach him on uh, on what to say. Well, granted, we know that he's got some kind of a mental issue going on. He could have had brain freeze from an ice cream cone. I don't know. But all I'm saying is when somebody in that position says no comment, he could have said it's devastating. We're looking into it. We're going to do everything we can for him, but he says no comment. Yeah. All right. Good. That's one hint. All right. Now, as I get into the fire, this is what I'm finding. I have video of an area where the power lines actually hit the ground and started a grass fire, which led up to a couple of other power poles. Okay. Fire department was called. The fire was out at 9 a.m. They were called back at 2 p.m. because the fire had reignited. Now, that's not unusual when you're dealing with trees or structures or whatever, because you don't get all the embers, you can't get to it, you can't penetrate it. But in the grass fire, with what they showed on the video, the grass is not extremely thick. 
they should have been able to go ahead and get it put out. Now, as I'm going along and I'm reading some of the comments, I found out that one of the um, individuals on the fire department came forth and said, we opened up the hydrants trying to resupply the water and they were dry. Now, you could keep water hydrants dry, especially if you have trouble with freezing and some of that kind of stuff, because you don't want it freezing in the pipes. But on Lahaina, I cannot find where it has ever gotten cold enough to freeze the water in the pipes. So it would have been a live system. You'd open it up, you'd flush it out, you'd hook it up to the uh, intake, into the fire engine it would go, and they would have all the water they needed. So that comment right there made me just a, a, a little questioning, all right? Then I started looking into this. Back in 2011, 2016, there was a big study that was done. It's called Jump Start Maui. Basically, at that time, because electricity is so expensive on the island of Maui because it's all from fossil fuels, they wanted to go green. They wanted to go no fossil fuels, whatever. There's a big, long paper written on it, and I sent that to the people that are on my email list, and it can be found at nedo.go.jp. Now, it's a very interesting read because it went through everything, said, you know, that the uh, renewable energy was the way to go. It is supposedly going to be cost-effective because what they uh, pay for it right now. And, you know, it was kind of tabled because nobody wanted it. They weren't sold on it back in 2016, and I couldn't find anything on that study since then. Well, as I go on, I find out that the 911 system did not work. Supposedly, the power did not work, and these people had very little warning. Now, when these grass fires started, there were 11 reports to emergency services, I think in the preceding six hours of trees that had gone onto the power lines and knocked them down. This is automatically recorded by their system on Maui. Now, they don't have an automatic shutoff, whereas a lot of cities do, because if the power goes down, starts shorting, it immediately goes back along the system and it will shut it down. So there is no live energy. In the video that I watched, you could see the sparks still coming right out of the power lines, even as they were putting them out. Because as a policeman pulled up, the homeowner said, watch it, that line there is live, and you could see it spark. So fortunately, somebody warned him, otherwise he'd have got fried right there. Um, so I do get a little more investigation, and I look at the uh, mayor, of beautiful Maui, and then I look at the governor. Now, I don't know where they got their governor, but I got to tell you what, um, to say he is clueless would be an understatement. It truly will. Now, one thing that really concerns me is they will not let the media in and talk to them. They're making no comment. They are not saying a word. All right. Why would, why would you do that? FEMA has been activated. FEMA isn't there. Now, FEMA, that, this is not unusual. Every hurricane I ever worked, when FEMA was notified, they were about the last people to get there. 
I know they have transportation problems. They're going to have lodging problems. Um, it's going to be a logistical nightmare for them. I understand that. But then I keep looking and I see that they have a police chief by the name of Pelletier. Now, if we want to do a little research on this guy, he was on the police force in Las Vegas. I believe he was a chief at that time when they had their big shooting back in 2017. All right, that left 60 dead, 867 wounded. Now, they blame all of this mayhem at that time on a lone gunman, even though witnesses said they saw additional gunmen at additional windows shooting into the crowd. Now, all right, so we'll just let's let's put that as a conspiracy for a little bit. Well, Mr. Pelletier went back and he was trained at the FBI Academy. And guess who he got to know? The head of the FBI, Mr. Ray and Bill Barr, our illustrious investigating attorney with Mr. Trump. Now, this in of itself is not a big deal. I mean, things happen, you run into people, whatever. But when you start looking at somebody going from a metropolis like Las Vegas to the police chief of Lahaina, 17,000 people, and what, a million in Vegas? Why? Why Why did he end up there? There must have been some kind of um, problem when he was the chief of Las Vegas. So moving right along, there's no water in the hydrants. Uh, the response time is abysmal, but that could be because they're at different fires on the island at the same time. Could have been very, very easily something that happened. Now, as I continue down looking into this, I noticed that there are ships out in the harbor that are ignited and totally burnt to the water. Now, I saw the winds blowing the embers. I didn't see anything that looked like a 20-pound chunk of ember flying through the air. Now, granted, it could have landed on a boat. And I guess if you have a wood boat, it's old, gets into a sail, maybe, maybe you could have a fire out there. But there are boats all around, and only specific ones were ever damaged. And I'm going, with all the embers that are flying that I can see, I'm going... Why, why would we not have more damage out in the harbor if indeed this stuff is blowing all over? So we keep going back and forth, and I'm looking into this kind of stuff. Then I find out that the World Economic Forum basically listed as Maui as being the perfect place for one of their 15-minute cities. They go totally green. You won't need vehicles, won't need to leave the town. They'd have renewable energy that could take care of everything there. And I'm going, okay, so we have the big study uh, in 2016. We have the WEF, but that's not the only thing. I find out that Lawrence Livermore and Oak Ridge are doing testing on AI. They are using a supercomputer called Frontier. Now. Frontier, basically, what is what it was doing, um, it's going through different scenarios for when the grid is down, all right? Now, the software, the hardware that they have right now 
can basically handle 50 to 100 computations because this stuff gets so complicated. There's so many variables and it'll look at those scenarios. This one at Lawrence Livermore basically can do one quintillion uh, calculations a second. It is able to do 100,000 possible scenarios in 20 minutes. It can also do scenarios on 20 different storms and the possible activities in the same amount of time. Now, it's kind of weird, okay? We've got this study beforehand, the WEF likes them, and then we find out that our national uh, military is doing work, same thing, with the grid down. Isn't it interesting that we have basically a grid down here in a location which could be easily studied and is simultaneous. Now, let's, let's keep moving on here. Um, when there's no 911 service, there's no electricity, but yet the power lines are sparking, I'm going, what's going on? There's electricity because it didn't trip a breaker. So there was electricity the whole time. There were ham operators on the island that were trying to broadcast, but they were having problems. Um, you know, as you look at all of this, you're going, what's going on? And then you find out for about the last 10 years, the developers in the area, the realtors and the landowners have been having a major war. Lahaina is an old district owned by people that have lived there forever. They don't want to sell their property but they were given constant pushes, constant harassment by the re realtors and by all of the other people, um, investors, because that land is worth a fortune. When we were there, I'm going, I like this place so much, I'd like to move there. So we looked at a little dump and I'm telling you, it would be a shanty somewhere in Africa, uh, would be comparable. They wanted $3 million for now, in Hawaii, they import everything except pineapple. So all the wood, all the structural components of a house, they're going to have to import, and the cost to rebuild is going to be astronomical. I'm sure a lot of these people probably insured their property 20 years ago, never raised the insurance, and they're going to find out they have a small percentage of what it's actually going to need to rebuild that entire area. So the developers are looking at this going, wow, you know, we can move them out for pennies on the dollar. We can go ahead and rebuild any kind of a city, any kind of a habitation we want. And they're going to come. The visitors are going to come. The, the tourists are going to come because the tourists were still there during the and after the fire. They never shut down. They were out snorkeling. They were out doing everything that they'd done before, which enraged all the people living there. They're ready to kill them all and send them home. But the reservations haven't been canceled. People are still, still going back and forth. Even though there are bodies still floating in the water, they have people swimming, tourists out swimming among them. Now, that's pretty crude, pretty crass, in my opinion. So we have 101 people dead. If they're using DNA, I can tell you the last time I got involved in one of those situations, it took over a year to get the results back. 
on a DNA sample. You'll be looking at years before these people are identified. Mm. I go on YouTube and I see multiple different landowners there, people who have been there forever, complaining about the constant harassment. These people want to buy them out, get them off the island, telling them, look, you're not going to have a place to live that you can afford. You're not going to have enough money to rebuild. So we're going to give you what we think is a worthwhile price. And you should go now. It will take over the property from you. and We'll take care of everything that's going to be necessary. Now, the electrical company, if they prove that part of it was basically caused by their power lines, it's going to bankrupt. They don't have enough insurance, I can guarantee you, for the cost that it's going to be to uh, replace all of this. Now, when I looked at the power poles, there were some power poles in the video that I looked at that basically showed the power lines starting the grass fires going up the power pole. Now, that's to be expected. If the power poles in other areas simply touched together and arced, you should see fire at the top of the poles where the fire started. In none of the video did I notice any anything like that. Now, so we have no water. We have a possible fire coming from power lines. That's fine. Uh, somebody could have been smoking, who knows? I mean, we have developers, we have the greedy people, we have the WEF, we have questionable authorities that are in positions that shouldn't be. And then we find out the Chinese are testing lasers in Maui and in Oahu a month or six weeks ago, because we talked about that on the podcast. Now, my question is, I look at causation. We have possible electrical, definitely a possibility. Somebody could have been burning trash, whatever, but there wasn't any report of anything like that. No report of a car accident with a fire, nothing. We look at the ships out in the harbor, and I'm still confused why there are certain ones being burnt, certain ones that weren't. I mean, they're pretty close together. Then we have some of the vegetation that was not burnt. And then I start looking at the lasers that are being tested. And I look at some of the uh, uh, microwave energy weapons and stuff, and I'm going, now we know the Chinese were there. We know they still have a naval presence there. We know the United States government has a large base over on Oahu. And it's like, okay, we have so many possibilities of causation here. So many different players that are involved. Now I understand why Biden said no comment. I'm sure he was briefed before he got there. I'm sure he was told things he might not have understood, but he understood he was told not to say anything about it. So I go back to, were we actually attacked by a foreign country? Has World War III started? We know we're on the edge. We know the Chinese want to get at us. The Russians want to get at us. The North Koreans want to get at us. We also have the leftists. We have the right-wing groups. You know, you start looking at the transfers of the property. FEMA doesn't show up. The fire department's out at a couple of other small fires, so they can't show up. You look at the valuation of that property. You look at this being a WEF 15-minute city. You look at the prior studies and you're going, all right, this is not as simple as it looks. There wow. has been no comment on causation at this time. 
Yeah, I mean, so, Randy, this is just amazing. I, I I didn't interrupt you, even though I wanted to several times, just because I'm enthralled with with all of the facts that you're uh, that you're reporting and going over here. But uh, let me let me weigh in and kind of give my take on everything you're saying. First of all, bottom line, this smells dirty. All, all, everything about it, for all of the reasons yes. you just listed, the official narrative is simply, which is sketchy in itself. I mean, they're they're having a hard time quickly putting together an official narrative. Usually, by the next morning, you know, they've pegged it on on some lone gunman, uh, hypothetically, you know. But uh, they're, you know, the official narrative is simply not. Uh, adding up another thing that you didn't mention you mentioned the microwave weapons but i think directed energy uh could also be in play here because a lot of the evidence that i'm seeing you know you've got scorched earth you know and buildings completely dilapidated but right next to them you've got trees that were unscathed and things like that and all the other anomalies that that you've mentioned but you mentioned uh the Bill Barr connection. I think our, some of our listeners may know this, but Bill Barr has a long, long sordid history of being connected to some of the biggest cover-ups um, in U.S. history. Iran-Contra, uh, even going back to Nixon. Um, he's got a connection to Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, and I was quickly trying to search my notes uh, from previous works, and I couldn't find it uh, without being able to really focus. But I think somewhere I've got notes to about about his connection to the Franklin cover-up as well. I mean, the guy is a go-to guy uh, for cover-ups. Um, so, and then, you know, you've got the connection with the sheriff to, uh, I think you said it was the sheriff, or was it the police chief that's from Vegas? Police, police chief. Yeah, the police Used chief. In with, Vegas, yes. Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that they do. They move them around. They did that with the Oklahoma City bombing. They put their guy in place in, as the governor of Oklahoma. But yeah, the Mandalay Bay shooting back in 2017, I mean, very clear evidence, video evidence, uh, and tons of eyewitness, hundreds of eyewitnesses mentioning there were multiple shooters. But as is always the case, they, they pin it on uh, on uh, one guy. And so, yeah, the, you know, one of the things that's going to be interesting to see as the as the uh, independent researchers begin to dive into this is follow the money, uh, because as is often the case, you see people benefiting incredibly well from advanced knowledge. And so they'll put uh, put options and things like that on certain industries that were uh, expected to be, uh, you know, you know, uh, take a downturn and destroyed because of it. We saw that with 9-11, by the way. That's one of the big, biggest smoking gun evidences that 9-11 was pre-planned. But, um, I mean, you've got examples that you mentioned of advanced prep where, you know, doors are locked, hydrants are dry. I mean, we see that a lot in other shootings uh you know uh, we saw that i think it was with the aurora batman uh, shooting things that were that should not have been the case that after they look into it they inexplicably uh, doors were i think in that case they were left unlocked uh so that the multiple shooters and yes there were multiple shooters in aurora too that that's again uh, a given with the eyewitness testimony they came in from different doors um I mean, the the number of deaths, I mean, one of the things with this type of attack is you, you may never know uh, the uh, extent of the number of deaths because even the mainstream media is reporting that how many people are missing. I mean, there's just, I mean, who knows, hundreds of people unaccounted for, kind of like after 9-11. And 
Uh, that's because there's not going to be bodies. When you pulverize them with lasers and things of that nature, <clears throat> they're just gone. Um, so, you know, I think it's, it's as far as who did it, that's beyond the question. You know, people always ask the same thing about other conspiracies when the overwhelming evidence proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that the official narrative cannot possibly be true. Then people's minds immediately go to, well, then who did it or who would do that? Look, that that remains to be seen. That's not our uh, job. The burden of proof is on the government to prove the official narrative, and they're not doing a very good job at this point. Um, you know, it's very easy to control the narrative in this situation because it's an isolated island. Uh, they can keep people in and out, as you said. They've already kind of shut down the media. So uh, we have seen a few, uh, quite a few, actually, reports from just citizens who are basically saying, you don't believe, uh, don't believe the media. Don't believe what you're hearing. Here's here's what's really happening. But I, I, my big, my best guess would be um, not a foreign actor. I, I mean, I don't think at least not a nation state, because when they're ready to start World War III, they want everybody to know they've started World War III. They want to foment this global uh, imbroglio, so to speak, where everybody gets involved and they can, you know, usher in the new world order. So I don't think we're going to see, we're going to find out that this was Russia or China. I mean, it could be bad actors within those states, like terrorists or rogue elements, trying to provoke something. Um, but, you know, who knows? We may see in the coming days that the United States issues a report that says, you know, Putin did it or whatever. And then it then then, yeah, then I would have to backtrack and say, yeah, maybe this is the 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 uh, provocateur, uh, you know, the provocation of some type of global conflict. But my best guess is I've got two theories at this point. <clears throat> One, which I mentioned early on, right when this was happening, was uh, this could be an example of the Luciferian elites infighting that there are, there's a lot of global wealth over there. A lot of the key people you mentioned, um, uh, um, the uh, Peter Thiel, Oprah Winfrey and others, uh, a lot of times they'll get involved in fights and make each other mad. And so, and these are, you know, these are some of the most powerful people in the world. They have access to literally the top tier Luciferians. And so they'll say, well, I'll show you, you know, and they just because they're mad at each other uh, over competing agendas, they would do something like this. I think that's one scenario. Um, but it could also be uh, more of just money uh, motivated people with power trying to take over certain geographic regions, as you mentioned, so they can build bigger mansions. And, you know, they, they've got to get some of these people out of the way. Um, a third option is it could be a strategic move because they need to uh, they have plans for that island in uh, Hawaii <clears throat> as part of a larger uh, military action of some kind. And so it's just going to be easier if they've wiped out certain sections of it. There is a huge port there in Lahaina. Um, we've take, we've actually taken uh, little uh, dinner cruises out of, out of there. Um, and so, you know, who knows? I mean, it remains to be seen if we'll ever know this side of glory, what, what the cause is, but, absolutely something is not is not right uh right on this randy any other comments well the only other thing i would say is this also could be just a good example of an antiquated grid system that's never been upgraded and unfortunately failed i mean we talked about the grid in our podcast we talked about all of these shortcomings all of the things that can go wrong with it 
And what I want people to take from this, we don't know causation. We maybe never will know causation. But if something like this happens on the grid, understand it can happen anywhere you live. I mean, it could happen here in Colorado. We've had that problem a year or two ago in Boulder, where the power lines were the problem. Um, Always be prepared. Always be ready to move. They didn't have much warning here. They didn't have enough time to move. Some of them jumped in the ocean. Good idea. But don't don't hang around setting up your sprinkler to try and water your grass so it doesn't get burnt. Get in your car. Take your bug out bag and get out. Don't worry about anything else. And we talked about that recently on our uh, How to Prepare for a Natural Disaster um, podcast. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think, I think we can rule out an organic natural cause, I hate to say it, but just the symptoms don't fit any of those scenarios. This was something intentional. And uh, and pray for our, our folks there. I saw one story, someone sent me an email about a church that was right in the heart, in the thick of uh, the fire and yet survived. And and that could be just a glimpse of God's uh, grace and presence in the midst of all of that. I don't know anything about the church, but uh, there are believers there. I've attended a Calvary Chapel when I was there last time. Uh, I know there's folks that need uh, God's grace, that need uh, prayers, obviously unbelievers there. Uh, a crisis like this is going to cause them to to really uh, come to their knees and search for answers, and maybe the Lord will use this to drive them uh, to faith in Christ. But pray for the whole situation there. Um, what else have have you? What else are you seeing here, Randy, in the news? I know that's a biggie, but any other items of interest? <laughs> yes, we have, we have our usual, uh, you know, more than enough. But anyway, okay, let's start out here. Turkey continues to pivot towards Russia. On August 3rd, they basically restructured their armed forces. Anybody associated with NATO ever worked with NATO, they removed them. They put in their own people. So now, basically, they're tearing away from NATO just as fast as they can. And it shouldn't be probably too much longer before they're totally gone. Um, They're using the Russian anti-aircraft system, the S-400. They still use some of our planes, et cetera. But the pivot's going. It's not going to stop. In Azerbaijan, remember, we have the Christian settlement in Armenia that has been basically held hostage for the last six months or a year. Uh, They are now almost to the point of starvation. And if somebody doesn't get them out of there, there are 100,000 people there that are going to perish. Iran is aiding Azerbaijan. And uh, so you kind of know it's the Muslim against the Christian thing. And Iran is getting a little bit big for its riches. They're getting ready to test a nuke. They have Hezbollah. Lebanon and Syria ready to attack Israel, and they're causing trouble in the Strait of Hormuz enough that the United States Navy has moved in along with Marines, and they're putting people on the ships and getting ready for probably quite quite a battle. So if you want to know where war could break out, that would be a hot, hot spot if I can think of it. All right. Our new COVID uh, variant, Eris, should be here in September. We don't know much about it yet, but supposedly it's pretty potent. It's in Great Britain right now. Great Britain is discussing making everybody mask up again, and it should be on our shores by September. So figure it'll be here this month. Should yeah, be here in a couple months, probably. 
On that note, you know, folks have been talking about how they're telegraphing that there's going to be some new virus, whether it's, you know, smallpox or, you know, um, who knows? There have been all kinds of candidates that have kind of been floated out there in the in the narrative within the media. I think it's definitely coming. And I I'm really, you know, eager to see how people respond, because there's on the one hand, there are those who say, oh, they'll never pull the wool over our eyes again. And, you know, the jig is up. We we figured out this whole thing was a scam. And it was. And even mainstream medical doctors who are, had been out there touting the benefits of masks and so forth have since come out and, and admitted that was false. So it'll be interesting to see. Some people think, oh, they're going to, you know, they'll never be able to do that again. But other people think, no, nah, they they were pretty pleased with how easily they duped people. To me, it all comes down. I never underestimate the, the stupidity of people and their willing their ability to get deceived, uh, especially in America. Uh, so to me, it all comes down to the level of fear. If they foment some type of fear that's way more than even COVID was. And if you remember when, the, when COVID first really hit the mainstream, we were all sort of unsure. Is this like end of humanity? Is this an existential threat? I mean, especially even if you know the, you know, the, the most of the Luciferian agenda and you realize that most of what you hear is not true, you still wondered, could this be their kill shot? You know, uh, so early on, we were all a little bit worried, but if they do something worse than that, then I could easily see how people dutifully fall right in line again. Um, but another thing that occurred to me as I was, you know, reading about this new virus, it wouldn't surprise me if they come on stronger from a totalitarian aspect. And, and because there was so much resistance last time, especially as time went on, I could see them right out of the chute saying, look, this time we are not going to fool around with you anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers. We're going to have you mask up or we're going to arrest you. And it, it really could be the next level of tyranny if they're ready for it. And, you know, if you go back and I've seen montages of this, maybe you have too, and watch the, the, uh, the, the news coverage uh, during the height of the pandemic, I mean, they were coming on strong against people that refused to wear masks and making them feel seem like they were, you know, the worst kind of evil out there. And so they could easily ratchet that rhetoric up again and and just cut right to the chase and say, look, you're going to wear a mask or else. So who knows? Uh, I do think something's coming. Uh, I think it won't be the only thing. I think it'll be a, a multi-pronged attack that could involve economic issues. It could involve some type of a military conflict. It could involve civil unrest, the kinds of things we've been talking about on Saturdays. But uh, yeah, that'll be interesting uh, to see what Britain decides to do and then where that, what implications that has for America. Well, in our podcast for Saturday, we're going to go over martial law. We're going to do a more of a deep dive on generators and how to use them, what types are available. And I would suggest that people really consider that because, let's face it, they declare martial law. They want to cut off your electricity. They want to cut off your food and everything else. You better be ready for it because, like you, uh, I don't worry about the COVID at all. But the Marburg, the Ebola, the other viruses that they're mixing and stuff. You know, we've got 50 senators with sat phones. We found the bio lab in California. We know that there is a box or a car, a train car full of ammonium nitrate out there. Something's going to happen. We know that. There, there is just no question about it. 
Uh, if you look at the coast of Africa, we now have some pretty good size storms coming off the coast that will probably affect Florida in that area in a week or 10 days. Um, you know, we have Mitch McConnell saying, well, we don't want to prosecute Biden, you know, for um, his lying, perjury and everything else. And I'm going, you know, you go after Trump. He's been indicted four times. We have a pretty good case against Biden's and we just want to let it go. And it's kind of like, you know, there is nothing in this country that makes sense anymore. At all. Yeah. And on the Trump note, uh, you know, again, yeah, he had his fourth indictment, two of them federal, two of them state level, dozens of 40, 50, 60 different counts uh, in, in combined in all of them. Um, everybody knows or I mean, you may be new to the podcast, but most of our listeners know my uh, take on Trump. I address it in Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 2. But nevertheless, even though I think he's a pawn in the game, uh, it's just a fact that this we've turned a corner in America where we now arrest our political opponents. And that is not good for America. That I mean, uh, it's, you know, it's it's really, especially when you look at the the charges, uh, you know, for there's no question that 2020, the election was rigged. There's no question at all about it. Of course, I believe, and I've documented this, that every election has been rigged. So there was nothing unique about 2020, but the facts as they are, are indisputable. Someone emailed me, uh, or maybe it was a voicemail, I can't remember, recently and said, you know, they read volume two, they appreciated it, but they they wondered why I didn't provide any, quote, proof that the 2020 election was rigged. I just sort of stated it in a certain section of the book when I was talking about elections. Well, first of all, I did provide proof in the bibliography. If you search the bibliography, uh, you'll find several articles that talk about some of some of the evidence of that. But secondly, you know, evidence of the obvious is proof enough. I mean, when it's obvious, you don't don't need proof. And when you've got clear numbers being changed in real time on the TV screens of, of vote counts in different states, when you've got, you know, boxes of votes, uh, you know, turning up. I mean, there's just so many uh, smoking gun uh, pieces of evidence that show that 2020 was rigged. Uh, that's a fact. So for Trump to state and continue to state that the 2020 election is rigged is not a crime. It's And even if he were wrong, which he's not wrong, but even if he were, that's not a crime. So, uh, you know, it's not a crime to be wrong. Uh, so I just, I mean, obviously these lawyers are a lot smarter than I am in the areas of the law anyway, but to me, this is a clear example of what happens when you when you completely and finally and utterly abandon the principles of a democratic republic and become just another despotic nation state that arrests its uh, opposition. And again, you know I'm no fan of Trump, so I'm not coming to his defense necessarily. Uh, I'm just saying this is not what should happen in America. Why they're doing it, where it's leading, what this is setting the stage for, it's still too early for me to tell. But if the Lord doesn't come back, uh, 2024 is going to be quite an interesting year. <laughs> One that I hope I'm not here for. Well, you know, another example of how upside down things are. Mr. Biden says no comment on the Lahaina fire, but he gives $26 billion to Ukraine the same day. 
Now, the Ukraine is getting smothered. Russia is kicking them wherever they want them to be. Russia is now using their bombers and their cruise missiles, making daily attacks. And the Ukraine, they're running for their lives. They're, they're not fighting a counteroffensive. They're fighting, I want out of here one way or another. And the thing is, we now are getting a little more truth as we get closer to the BRICS meeting next week. All right. Russia's having some inflationary problems. So they raised their interest rates from 8.5% to 12%. Now, they tried to devalue the currency, thinking they'd get more rubles per dollar, and that was going to help them. And they finally got in trouble. So the way for them to get out of that would be start a war. If you start a war, that will heal many of the problems that are going on with your economy. Um, you know... <sighs> The, the attacks so far are basically in the Ukraine, but the Polish are moving 10,000 troops to the Belarus border. The United States is giving them as much ammunition, material, et cetera, that they possibly can. I mean, the United States basically manufactures 19,300 artillery shells a month. That's their maximum capacity. Ukraine uses that in three days. So the United States went to South Korea and said, you've got a million rounds there that you're not planning on using. We'd like to buy those. And because they can't sell it directly to Ukraine, but the United States bought them at a premium, is giving them to the Ukraine. And I'm going, when is enough enough? Um, $26 billion you're pumping into a war that basically is over. I mean, there's no way they could win now unless we move in troops, go to a nuclear type of confrontation. It, it's over. I mean, when Putin said it's going to be over in August, he might be a couple of weeks off, but he was really close. Now, China, China, their exports, their imports are not where they want to be. They are now suffering deflation instead of inflation. And deflation basically is a shortage of demand in the economy. In other words, nobody's ordering anything from them. Their own people in the country are not buying cars. They can't meet their rent. Um, the Chinese are having some serious problems. So again, they're going to have to look to an external means to take care of their problems. Now, we talk about people owning precious metals and stuff like that. One thing I want to caution everybody, there are people that sell precious metals that if they ever go let's say silver went to 50 or $100 an ounce, they would not buy that back from you. They would not have the capacity. So always be careful when you're purchasing stuff like that. Protect yourself, you know, think about it and be, be ready to make some changes if you have to. Um, the decline in the factory activity in China is substantial. Uh, the unemployment rate for 16 to 24-year-olds is 21%. And 46% of the youths are either unschooled or unemployed. The middle class over there is disappointing and you know, disappearing, I should say, not only disappointing, but disappearing. So they're going to be closer to the brink of a war than we thought. Now, next week is BRICS. It's going to be very interesting to see where they're going, what they're going to do. They've said, we've got a gold ruble we want to introduce. Let's see if they do. Let's see if the other countries want to join BRICS or if they're getting cold feet. Um, next week, you know, 
bricks, uh, supposedly a major drone strike on Moscow. Uh, Putin is staying in Moscow because he's afraid of an arrest. We have the hurricanes coming. And in South Korea is going to evacuate 51 million people to 17,000 shelters in a matter of 20 minutes. Next week should be very interesting. Yeah, um, you know, we, we may... I'm sorry. What'd you, what were you I, saying? I, I just said it'll give us a really good idea of where the world is really at. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, with the BRICS meeting by our next Wednesday's World Events Update, we might have early reports of some of the stuff that's uh, that's coming out of there. But, uh, yeah, definitely lots happening. It just seems like things are heating up. Um, that's why I'm so burdened about getting this next a book out. Uh, it uh, even though we got delayed with uh, that kind of six-week crisis we had with the flooding uh, at our house and property, uh, it we've kind of made up some of that time, and the Lord's put us back on our schedule, and it should be out, uh, you know, by end of September, uh, Lord willing. So watch for that. To pray for us as we finish that up again, we've uh, we've tweaked the title a little bit, the, the subtitle anyway. The book is Spirit of the False Prophet. Uh, the rise of the global technocracy and uh, all about the false prophet's role and all of the things that are happening uh, in you know this present day, kind of like the spirit of the Antichrist books did, just uh, you know, a survey of current events. We're going to talk about what is a technocracy and how is the, the how are the Luciferians putting together this technocratic tyranny. We're going to talk about uh, Yuval Noah Harari. We've got a whole chapter dedicated to him that's uh, uh, already complete, and you'd be amazed at some of the stuff that I found out about his background. We're not going to you know spoil it for you just yet, but uh, uh, that's uh, just the guy is more evil than we even uh, thought. Uh, we've got a whole section on AI, and we've got stuff about biometric surveillance and the whole global control grid that the false prophet will roll out. So it's happening, folks. Uh, not to be scared. Um, obviously, we know that this is all part of God's plan. It's happening exactly the way God wants it to. Um, but, uh, you know, it's only going to be a seven-year reign for the false prophet. And then uh, he... Uh, and his boss, the Antichrist, will be crushed at the return of Christ to establish his kingdom. So um wanted to mention real quick before we close, uh, the Spirit of the Antichrist books uh, are obviously they're available on our website or at Amazon and a few other outlets. Uh, we do have the PDFs of those, which can be imported into Kindle. So if you prefer the digital version uh, for an e-reader, you can check those out at notbyworks.org uh, on our online store. Uh, but sometimes we get requests for from people, uh, and my uh, I keep forgetting to mention this, and which is why I'm mentioning it now. Uh, we do offer discounts for bulk purchases. If you have a small group, uh, if you buy 10 or more copies uh, total, I mean, you can be five of volume one and five of volume two, uh, because our cost cost is the same either way, uh, we will give you a discount. So reach out to Brooke uh, through the Not By Works website, and she can work out uh, an arrangement uh, with you on that if you want. Um, but just wanted to make sure people were aware of that. Randy, any closing thoughts, my friend? Yes, just one. Um, when your book is out, do us all a favor, price it in dollars, yuan, and rubles, just in <laughs> case we have a different currency. <laughs> well, <laughs> It's funny you should say that. I've I've, I've got a uh, a, a chapter uh, title here that talks about that very thing. Uh, I'm not sure if it, it's going to make the cut, but uh, you know, 
uh, you know, I, I've actually used this line in conferences for, before, but talking about the mark of the beast, I, I'll say the mark or yen, dollar, ruble, peso of the beast, you know, because really that's what it comes down to is an economic control grid where you can't buy or sell without this mark. But no, we're going to price it in uh, in uh, Federal Reserve notes, assuming they're still in existence at that time. Uh, but we do we would happily take gold or silver uh, in, uh, in lieu of Federal Reserve notes. So anyway, thank you, my friend. Uh, looking forward to chatting on Saturday. And as always, folks, if we can ever do anything for you, reach out to us at notbyworks.org. Uh, uh, don't forget, tomorrow uh, we've got uh, Lucas Doremus back on to continue our discussion of parables of the kingdom. Have a great rest of the week, everyone. Uh, God bless.